2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, Paul gives us three illustrations of the Christian life. I'll read that. It says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who should be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. If a man also strive for masteries, he is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, was raised from the dead, according to my gospel. So I this this morning, this afternoon, Lord's veteran. Paul uses here three illustrations to exemplify the Christian life. We have that of a soldier, we have that of an athlete, and we have that of a farmer. That of a farmer. Now we'll look at those three things this afternoon. Before we do, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the blessings that you've bestowed upon us as a church these last 12 years. Thank you, Father, for the trials and difficulties that you brought us through. Thank you for how you've provided for our needs, our financial needs, and just the way you've blessed that with um, things that we would never have dreamed or thought about or even considered you brought to pass from people we didn't even know. And Lord, we see the, we, we see the exceeding greatness of our God to usward who believe working according to your mighty power. So, Lord, we just thank you for it, and we pray you bless now as we look into the word of God that we be encouraged and challenged as to the future and help us to be just to be faithful as you've instructed us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see here three illustrations, a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. In verse 3, he says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Uh, we are to endure hardness. Now, we're, of course, the, a soldier, you know, in, in our military today, you know, of course, during World War One, and or World, I guess it was instituted during, I'm not sure exactly, when, tell me, when was the draft first instituted? Probably World War One, I, I suppose. Um, you know, used to be drafted in the military, but now it's totally volunteer. It's volunteer. You know, there have been talk of drafting again, but it's not happened. And as, as in the Lord's army, if you compare the Lord's work to an army or the church to an army, which he's using the illustration here of, that we are volunteers. Paul said that he was the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He often referred to him as a servant or the bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ or he referred to himself as the prisoner of the Lord. And the word prisoner simply means, again, the word servant. But the idea was not a servant against his will, but a servant of choice. You know, when we think about servanthood or slavery, we often think of, you know, from man's, humanity's perspective, it's somebody forces them into that kind of servitude uh, or slavery. They're forced into it because by the strong over the weak. Again, that's the idea there. Of course, in Bible times, you know, people made themselves made themselves slaves. There's no such thing as welfare. So, you know, if you were 
and became poor and destitute. You hired yourself out and became a, a slave of somebody else or else you died of hunger uh, so that you could get the things you need to survive. And, and of course, you know, in, in um, Israel, they were only supposed to be slaves seven years and then they had the opportunity to, to restart in life. But, but here in the Lord's army, it, again, it is volunteer. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He simply says to come. Uh, we know from the story of the prodigal son, Luke 15, uh, the father did not force the son to stay. He let him go. He let him go. Although I believe he watched for him every day. Because we saw him when he was a great way off. Jesus told the Samaritan woman in John 4, 32, the Father seeketh such to worship him. In other words, he doesn't force us to worship him, but he seeks us to worship him. He desires us to worship him. He desires us to follow him and obey him. But again, it's, it's volunteer. In Luke 9, 23, he says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So it's a volunteer thing uh, as a soldier. But it requires faith, complete faith or confidence in the commander. Notice verse 4 says, No man that warth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him, he hath chosen him to be a soldier. You know, we are to put complete confidence. You know, when, when, when somebody signs up for the military, and I've never been in the military, so I don't completely understand it, but well, when you sign up for the military, everything that you need, from what I understand, everything that you need to live and to do what is, you are instructed to do is supplied for you. Now, I know there was some discussion with some of them during the Vietnam War whether they had enough ammunition and things given to them to fight the battles they were sent into many times, but... But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's expected that the commander or the, those in command would supply all the needs of the soldiers to do their mission. And so the soldiers always look to those in command to supply what was needed. They had confidence that they were going to be given the clothes to wear, the boots to wear, the the, the, the weapons to use, uh, the training of how to use those weapons and how to build defenses and all the things that they need to do was to be in, given to them or instructed to them and supplied for them. And of course, as soldiers of the Lord, God said that he would supply all our needs. In Matthew 6, verse 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. See, God promised to supply our needs to live the Christian life. And we need to have complete faith or trust in him. You know, there were times that you will go through times in life as testimonies were indicated, that you'll go through times in life where you wonder, how's this going to work? How's this going to come out? And if you look to man, you're going to be disappointed. It's going to leave you disappointed. But if your focus is on the Lord, 
and his word and his promises. He will be faithful. Timothy says, if we believe not, back here in this, in this passage in uh, verse 13, it says, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. He is our heavenly father. And it's the responsibility of the father to provide for his children. You know, when I was growing up, I never worried about, oh, where am I going to get money to buy my blue jeans? Or my work boots from working on the farm? I ain't even worried. Oh, is there going to be food for supper? I never gave it a thought. That was dad's problem. That was dad's responsibility. And whenever I needed, and I didn't always get what I wanted. In fact, I didn't often get what I wanted. But, but whatever I needed, whenever there was a need, you know. Did you just call tennis shoes sneakers? We always called them sneakers when I was growing up. But, you know, we, we, for gym class, when I went into high school, for gym class we were required to have a pair of tennis shoes. We never bought tennis. Dad didn't buy us tennis shoes. Every school year, first of the year, Dad would take us to the to the uh, shoe store and we'd get a pair of tennis shoes. Never expected to last a year or two. Uh, but you see, Dad, that was Dad's responsibility to supply all our needs. And God will supply all our needs according to His riches and glory. He will also equip us for the task. Look at First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 24. 1 Thessalonians 5.24, it says, Faithful is he that calleth you who will also will do it. See, God will supply or equip us for the tasks or the responsibilities that he asks of us. Again, it's the command's responsibility to equip the soldiers, to equip them. And God has promised to equip us for the responsibilities that he's given to us. Um, you know, there have been things that's been thrown into my lap that I at one time thought, I don't know that I can do that. I don't know that I can do that. But you know, God doesn't ask you, ask of you things he cannot do through you. Because he's promised to equip us. Uh, there needs to be also complete commitment. Notice verse 4 again. No man that warreth entangeth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. We need to be committed you know, as we think about, you know, this church from this beginning was have been committed to the preaching of the word of God. That's been primary and foremost. You know, we need to be continually committed to that and to be committed to rightly dividing the word of truth. But we as individuals need to be committed to being faithful to our Lord. First Corinthians 4, 2 says it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. A man be found faithful. In Luke chapter 5, of course, Jesus speaking to his disciples. Uh, in Luke chapter 5, of course, this is after 
he commanded Peter, told Peter to let down the nets, and Peter let down the net, and the net break. In verse 11 it says, And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Again in verse 27 28 it says, And after these things he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. He said unto him, Follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. See, we need to be completely committed to the Word of God. Jesus tells us in Matthew, No man can serve two masters, for he will love the one and hate the other. Cannot serve God and mammon. Brother Hoyle said in his testimony that you know, when he came here, he had to change his thinking. He changed his thinking. See, a lot of what, a lot of thinking, a lot of the thinking that goes on in churches today is man-directed. It's not Bible-directed. And so we have to be completely committed to following the Word of God. Um, you know, Lot. Lot was an example of one who's, who's uh, uh, tried to serve God and tried to serve mammon. And, of course, Lot destroyed his own family as a result. So a soldier, he needs to be, uh, he's a volunteer, needs to be committed. And then secondly, notice the athlete in verse 5. It says, Now a man, if a man also strive for mastery, he does not crown except they strive lawfully. Now, Paul's here probably has making reference to the fact of the Greek games. They had the Olympics even back then. And unless, you know, for a soldier, for an athlete, there, there's two things. That are, first of all, we have to be obedient to the rules. There has to be obedience to the rules. Isaiah 1.19.20 says, If you be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. And, and so we need to be willing and obedient. Uh if we want to live as champions, it requires obedience. One of the, uh, Jim Thorpe was considered one of the greatest athletes of all time. Some of you may have heard him, probably not. But anyway, in 1912 Olympics, he won some gold medals. I think there was five gold medals. But he was later found out that he played professional baseball for six months. I think it was six months for some money. And his gold medals were taken away from him. Because the rule of the Olympics is you cannot pay, play a sport for pay. So he was stripped. Why? Because he didn't abide by the rules. You know, if we want God to honor our life, we have to be obedient to what God sets forth in the Word of God. Second thing we see here is, we again, we need to strive. It says we need to strive, of course, lawfully. But the word strive is used two times. And the idea is to contend or struggle in opposition. It means to compete. And it requires, of course, self Discipline. It requires self-discipline. It requires practice. 
Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul elaborates on this a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Again, using this uh, athletics as an illustration here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, in verse 24, he says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery or for the crown is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now he says in verse 20, 25, Every man that striveth with the mastery is temperate in all things. The word temperate means self-controlled in everything, in every way. You know, athletes train and train and train and train. And that training includes not only exercise, you know, proper exercise, but also proper eating. Proper rest. So, in everything, they are temperate or self-controlled, or disciplined. They follow rigid schedules. And practice, and practice, and practice. You know, that is essential for them to receive mastery. Uh, Roy Tarpley entered the NBA and it was assumed that Dallas could make a, build a dream team around him. This is back in the 1990s. Experts say he would have made, he would have made the American dream team for the Barcelona Olympics if he had fulfilled his obvious talent. Instead, when he should have been at the top of his game, he was not even in the NBA. My problem, Tarpley said, was with success. Every time I was successful, I would go out and party. See, what was his problem? He wasn't temperate. He wasn't temperate. And his lack of temperance ruined him for the game. It disqualified him from the game. You know, we need to, we need to be temperate. Paul says we need to be temperate in all things. Uh, and so there has to be this discipline. Of course, we need to be, you know, I don't like the, I don't like the terminology self-control. It's Holy Spirit control. We need to submit to the Spirit of God. Allow him to control us and lead us. Be filled with the Spirit. And that's the idea there is to be controlled by the Spirit. So that, and Paul says, we do this so that we're not castaways. Not castaways. We have to be temperate in all things. You know, you can become so busy in the ministry that it will ruin you. And so, there has to be we're striving as an athlete in obedience to the rules. And then thirdly, the third illustration he gives is of a farmer or the husband. And verse 6 says, The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider why I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Now think about a farmer. You know, you think about a soldier. There's lots of activity. You know, it's, it's, it's grueling at times. And other times it's, it's not so difficult. But there's constant preparation, all that. 
With a farm, you know, an athlete, there's, again, lots of activity. With a farmer, you think of a quiet life without the litter and glamour of applause and the perils of war, but it's just consistent labor. You know, farming is 24-7. I grew up on a farm, so I know a little bit about this. Of course, dairy farming is probably the most 24-7 of, of all of them, but anyway... But it's 24-7. It is consistent sweat and toil day after day. There's planting, there's water, you know, tending and and waiting patiently for the harvest. You know, a farmer plants. Of course, you know, in Bible times, they would plant and they would hoe it and pull weeds. And, of course, nowadays they just take a sprayer and spray the fields so the weeds don't kill all the weeds and, and, uh, and, and so on. But... But, you know, there's, there's still this constant uh, labor, just consistent labor and toil day after day, waiting patiently for a harvest. It's not glamour or glitter. It's just every day. And the next day. And the next day. I had a friend I went to school with. I, I still laugh about it. He uh, he said he said he wasn't going to be a farmer. He wanted to do something that was exciting and challenging. He he wanted to be a model, but he's too short. <laughs> uh, but anyway. He was a little different. And I thought to myself one day, I was thinking about that, and I thought, you know, if he wanted something challenging, why don't he see if he could borrow the money and make a go of it at farming? See, he had a little too nice. His parents had a farm. See. But anyway, uh, no, see, farming is just, it's just monotonous labor consistently. You don't have grandstands cheering you on or parades when you get home from the war or whatever, you know, and all that excitement. It's just day after day, after day, after day, after day. But you know what? That farmer has to continually wait patiently for the harvest. You know, the Christian life is like that many times. Sometimes it just becomes, well, there's not much excitement. So what are you supposed to do? Just continue on. Just continue on. We don't see a lot happening at church. Just continue on. Just continue to be faithful. Just continue to be obedient to God. On down in chapter 2, verse 24, he says, And the servant Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose himself. If peradventure, if God will peradventure will give them repentance to the knowledge of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. 
You know, sometimes you you talk to people and you talk to people and you witness to people and you witness to them and you witness, you know, nothing happens. Or you can preach to people and nothing happens. Or you can talk to your children and nothing happens. What are you supposed to do? Keep on. Just keep going. It's simply required that we be found faithful. Faithful. Now, as a characteristic of all three of these, that's evident here, I believe. What's asked of all three of these is they deny themselves of the comforts and pleasures of life. Notice. The soldier, verse 4, no man that warth entangles himself with affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You know, his life is not his own. His life is not his own. He has forsaken the affairs of this life to be a soldier. To please him that hath chosen him to be a soldier. If you're an athlete, you can't... indulge in the pleasures and the comforts of this life if you're going to be an effective athlete. Just like Mr. Tarpley here found out. He didn't deny himself. He was out of the NBA. Even though he had great talent. And the farmer, many times, farmers feel like quitting. Day after day. Again, patience. Looking for the, the, reward, the future, the fruit, or the reward. And notice verse 11 through 15 says, Is a faithful saying, For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words no profit, but the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we need to keep on keeping on, be faithful to the Lord, be obedient to him, keep doing those things which are right. After all, if we live for him, If we suffer with him, we'll reign with him. And even though we may not always believe that he is going to come through, he can't deny himself. He will abide faithful. See, our reward, you know, we do see some rewards here, but our reward is future. We're to continue to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, and to be a workman that needeth not to be ashamed Rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, what what do you do? Let me ask you this way. What do you do in preparing yourself? For a harvest. Or for assembling together. Are we faithful? We pray for the Lord's to work in our lives. 
in our own lives, the lives of others, visitors, those we've witnessed to? Are we preparing for the Lord's Day services? Praying for our Sunday school teachers? Prepare our hearts for the, the Lord's Day? You know, the Lord just wants us to be faithful. And if we are faithful, God will be faithful to us and to his church. And will provide our needs. And continue to use us to be a lighthouse in this area. And around the world through missions. And one day, the Lord will reward us for our faithfulness. You know, the Lord's going to reward us for our faithfulness. So the question is, how faithful have we been? You know, there's a story told about a missionary, Henry Morrison, his wife, returning to New York after 40 years in faithful service as missionaries in Africa. This was during the 1800s, before telephones and email and internet and all that. At the, as the ship neared the dock, Henry said to his wife, look at the crowd. They haven't forgotten about us. However, unknown to Henry, the ship also carried President Teddy Roosevelt, returning from a big game hunting in Africa. Roosevelt stepped from the boat with great fanfare as people were cheering, flags were waving, bands were playing, and reporting was waiting for his comment. Henry and his wife slowly walked away unnoticed. They hailed a cab, took them to the one-bedroom apartment which was provided by the mission board. Over the next few weeks, Henry tried but failed to put the incident behind him. He was sinking deeper into depression when one evening his wife said, this is all wrong. He said to his wife, I'm sorry, this is all wrong. This man comes back from a hunting trip and everybody throws a big party. We gave our lives in faithful service to God for all those many years, but no one seems to care. His wife cautioned him that he should not feel this way. Henry replied, I know you're right, but I just can't help it. It just isn't right. His wife then said, Henry, you know God doesn't mind if we honestly question him. You need to tell this to the Lord and get it settled. You'll be useless in his ministry until you do. Henry Morrison went, left, went to his bedroom, got down on his knees, and, and began pouring out his heart to the Lord. Lord, you know our situation, what's troubling me. We gladly... Served you faithfully for years without complaining. But now, God, I just can't get this incident out of my mind. After about ten minutes of fervent prayer, Henry returned, delivering with a peaceful look on his face. His wife said, it looks like we resolved the matter. What happened? Henry replied, the Lord settled it for me. I told him how bitter I was that the president received this tremendous homecoming, but no one was even met us as we returned home. When I finished, it seemed as though the Lord put his hand on my shoulder and said simply, Henry, you're not home yet. You know, sometimes you may feel like you, you may get discouraged. You know, lots of people get discouraged and quit. They think they're overlooked or they think they've been forgotten about. And maybe they have been forgotten by man. But God doesn't forget. And we need to simply be faithful and serve him 
whether there seems to be a reward or not in this life. After all, we're not home yet. So might God help us as Lighthouse Baptist Church just to continue to be faithful as a soldier, as an athlete, as a farmer, consistently serving the Lord, striving for the mastery, being temperate in all things, and not being entangled with the affairs of this life. Might God help us. Let's pray.